And I hear, I'm sitting over there, and I hear God saying, I'm raising up a well of springing water in this house. Come on. Now, now let, me, let me say this. See, I, I really prefer, I prefer to be down here. This is where I prefer to be, right here. You know why? Because there's no difference between you and me. There's no such thing as clergy and laity. This is for the believer. This isn't so you can come to church and somebody else can lay hands on them. You're going to be laying hands on them in Walmart. Come on. How many know God wants to wake the church up to that? Can I tell you something? Quit trying to stay saved. Quit trying to stay saved and go do the work God has called you to do. You say, but I'm broken. That's the only people God uses. If you ain't messed up, God can't use you. You've got to be messed up to be used by God. Do I have some messed up people in the house? Do I have some folks that have made mistakes in the house? Come on, I, I, come on. I have some folks that the devil constantly reminds you of what you did. Is this the right people? Do you know how you get rid of that? You go do the works of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The great I, we just go do His work. We go where He wants us to go and we do what He wants us to do. It's that simple. Well, it doesn't sound simple, does it? Because we're not used to it. We're used to, we're used, is this okay? He's my leader, so he can shut me down at any moment. I'm here to serve the Lord and serve him. We're used to coming to church and getting fed so we can make it through the next week. Come on. No, it's not about that. It's about coming to church to give out. God wants to reactivate gifts that have been dormant for years in this house. God wants to light a fire under some people today, fresh and new. Come on. There's some of you in the room. God wants you to know you've already been forgiven. Shake off the shame. Shake off the condemnation. Get out of the shadow and get into what God has for you. I'm feeling that deep in my spirit. And a lot of things have come about. You you can be seated if you want to. I, I, I you, do you mind to keep a little bit of music going? Is that okay? Is that all right? Um, COVID, COVID has rattled not only our nation, but our world. We've all suffered loss. I lost a, a number of pastors that were very dear to me. Ministry friends across the nation. Also, my... Lost isn't the right word, is it? Because we know where they're at. But they passed away. I also had the passing of my father and my youngest brother six months apart, both due to COVID. We have a lot of loss. I nearly lost my life. I have nearly passed away myself to COVID. But thank God for a miracle and a son-in-law who was praying in another county at the right time in a prayer meeting and began to command the powers of hell to let go. And I'm standing before you today. Some people, most people are happy about that. But anyway, come on, are you with me? So I'm here. But, but here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. What time are we used to getting out here? If it goes past 1230, you're ordering pizza, right? Okay, okay. Um, li- listen to this. That when, when COVID hit, how many have been affected by it some way? Right? Right? We, I'm, I'm from Washington State. We had... We have restrictions upon restrictions. Masks everywhere. We're told we couldn't gather in, the, in a large gathering. I don't know if that happened in Texas or not, but it happened for us. But when it happened, the Lord spoke two verses to me, and I want to share them with you really quick. 
one in the minor prophets, Haggai chapter two, verse six. He spoke so clearly, Haggai in Hebrews to me. And he said, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while and I will shake heaven and the earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to. And these next words are each capitalized. The desire of all nations. That's representative. They will come to Jesus, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the desire of all nations. Are you with me? Everybody with me? And I will fill this temple. Now, we understand Old Testament, a building. This is a building. We could have a dance in here tonight. There could be a bar in here in 30 years, whatever, right? It's a building. Are you with me? You are the temple, right? You're the temple. He don't fill this room. He's going to fill you. Now, he may come into this room, but he wants to fill you. Come on. He wants to just give you a little bit. He wants enough. He wants to give you so much peace. You can come into any situation and share peace. Come on. Are you with me? Any situation and share love. He said, I'm going to fill this temple with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. How many know there's got to be more? Anybody can, can. Is this okay to be truthful in the church? How many, how many ever sometimes look at church and say Groundhog Day? I've known going back to a movie that was way old. I'm dating myself. I know, right? But, but he got stuck in a day. And every day he got up, it was the same day. And every day he got up, it was the same. How many know every now and then it's like, okay, I'm going to church again? How many in your heart do you feel something tugging at you that says there must be more than this? Come on, just just put them up for a moment. Just hold them up for a moment all over the room, right? All over the room. Now, if you've got your hand up, put the other one up and say, and just take a moment right where you're at. Just take a moment right where you're at. Pentecostals get nervous with silence, but just take a moment and just say, God, here I am. Just take a moment and say, God, do it. Ignite me. Let me be a force for revival. Just take a moment and say, God, I thank you. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. And your word declares that the hungry and the thirsty will be filled. And so, Father, right now, with every hand that's in the room that says there's got to be more, we want to be your vessels. We say yes before we even hear what you're going to say. We say, yes, God will go. Yes, God will do. Yes, God will get out of comfort. Yes, God, we will move where you want us to move. Do what you want us to do. Set a fire deep in our soul in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. That's the cry of our hearts. There must be more. You know why there's got to be more? Because there are churches all over the nation and our cities are going to hell in a handbasket. The church isn't affecting. Is this okay to say this? Come on. The church isn't affecting the city. Thank you for that. We're not. We're not. And he spoke this other word to me out of Hebrews 12, 26. And it's reiterating the same prophecy. And he says this. His voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence, reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. 
He so clearly said to me, Dwayne, I'm shaken like I've never shaken before. And it's been amazing. It has blown my mind. Did you know since post-COVID, nationwide, 23% of the mature believers have returned to the building? Less than one quarter. Some found a little bit more time and decided bass fishing was more important than church. There's bass, there's bass in Texas, right? Come on. Or hog hunting. I know that's in Texas, right? Or whatever. More pleasure for the family than the gathering. Only 23% of the mature believer has returned to the building. You see, God has done a shaking. Now, please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to label them bad because if I label them bad, I'm not building a bridge to their future because they need to be back into the house too. Is everybody with me? We love everybody all the time. I don't care what they look like, smell like, where they've been, what they've done. If we don't love people, even Jesus, who is called the spirit of truth in John 4, when he met the woman at the well that sucked at relationships on the best day, didn't lead with truth. He led with love so that he could impart truth. So if you're busy just telling people the truth, you're not doing the work of the kingdom. I lead with love and I meet them where they're at. Right. But God says, I'm going to shake. But the things that can be shaken will be shaken. That the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. How many know his kingdom can't be shaken? Now, I was shaken. Anybody else ever been shaken before? I was shaken. My dad lived at 83 years old. He loved God. And when he drew his last breath here, death was swallowed up in victory. But my younger brother was a different game. He had a 14-year-old little girl he was raising. And how many know that just that doesn't fit? That doesn't go right. And I was shaken. That's pretty bad. I shared with Pastor Michael last night. I was in bad shape. I had to get counseling. And I'm better. I'm still a little weird if you get to know me, but I'm better, okay? But here's the thing. I had to always come back to the rock. And there was a key song that some days I would just kick it on and my ear pods and walk the sidewalk around the house and just cry and just let that song minister to me. Because I couldn't carry myself, but he was carrying me through. Because there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Come on. Ready? Come here, man. You okay? Are we okay? Dude's grown so much since I last saw him. As I was watching you play the piano, I told you I'm not completely old COVID. As I was watching you play the drums, the Lord said to tell you that you're not in the shadow of anyone. And there's a very unique gift that God's going to begin to raise up in you. That There's a prophetic mantle settling on him. I'm telling you. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. There is a prophetic mantle that's settling on you. 
And it's going to, and you're not even going to fully understand it. And you're going to start seeing things. And you're going to start speaking things. People are going to stand in front of you for prayer. And they're going to tell you one thing. And you're going to tell them something else. And when you tell them something else, boom, you're going to break off generational issues. You're going to open their eyes. And you're going to spring up a well in them. And you're going to set person after person free by your obedience. And I needed to do this publicly because he's calling you out publicly. And he's going to launch something in you that is going to be a fire that's going to launch the prophetic in this house and into this community. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. Pastor, come pray for him, will you? Will you just come lay hands on him and pray for him? Is it, do you witness with this word? I, this is important. Yeah? Okay. And it may have already started happening. Has it already started happening? Not yet? Okay. It's, it, I tell you, it's launching today. God's doing something in you. Come on. Would you just stretch your hands? Hmm. <sighs> Let it be. He, 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 talk. Yes. 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 Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Although there may not be an understanding or a realization of what this is, Lord God, I pray right now that he begins to hear the voice of God in a fresh and new way. Yes. That, Lord God, he recognizes that you are walking with him and in him. And that, Lord God, when you speak through him, that he's not to be afraid or Mm. question whether or not this is him. Come on. Come on. Because it's not him. It's going to be you and he is going to be the mouthpiece. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Give him the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Come on. And to embrace this thing in his heart of hearts. And we pray this in Jesus all in name. Jesus' name. Let it well up in his spirit. In Jesus' in name. Jesus name. In Jesus' in name. Jesus name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> the young generation's in. We're in good hands. Come on, we're in good hands right here. You can be seated, man. We're standing at the door of the restoration of all things. That's why we can't put our roots in the way we do church, because church is going to look different. I don't have anything on the screen. I haven't even started getting into my notes yet. That gets dangerous. And I'm going to say, God, what do you want me to do? We have enough information. We haven't done anything. Let me me correct that. We often don't do what we need to do with the information we have. In America, we're pickled in preaching. And if you've been in this church any length of time at all, you sat under some of the greatest preaching with these two men. Amen. But, but, but get this, a sermon has never changed anyone. I messed with you right there. It's what you do with it that brings the change. In fact, there is a deception that can set in. If we set in church on and on and keep hearing the message and do nothing with it, there comes a deception because we think we know. But what we need to do is let it, we think we know, let it sink a foot. And depending on your height, let it go. Well, well, for Tanner, it's another eight feet, but to this feet, right? Come on, are you with me? 
until we begin to walk out what God asks us to do. You see, in Romans, it says to us that we are the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And it is an upward journey in our relationship with God. Now, we know, the other, and there's another reference, and I'm not pulling this address up right now, but the Bible says that faith works by love. The greatest job, that my greatest struggle in all these years in the kingdom is staying rooted and grounded in the love of God. Because when you're a pastor or you're a leader, I mean, sheep bite. Come on, you go through stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'm a pastor and I want everybody to go to heaven, but some sooner than others. Come on, are you right? Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? Because you go through stuff. So my greatest challenge is staying in the love of God and loving all people. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care where they've been. I don't care how many times they've fallen. Come on, right? I don't, it does not matter. I'm going to love them and give them the greatest opportunity to step into the kingdom. So faith works by love. The only thing that sets us apart from everybody else is our love. That's why I, I grieve at these guys packing placards uh, out in front of the abortion centers. Instead of picking up the broken woman that's in the backside, that's walking out of there and doesn't understand it and, and has received a lie of our society that it's not, a, it's not a, a, a baby. Are you with me? And loving on her and bringing her up. No, 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 no. Don't march again. I know we want to do everything we can to shut them down. I, I understand that. But we need to love the person no matter what they've done. If we, can, can, if we don't, we're not doing what Jesus said. Wasn't what Pastor Gary said. Wasn't what Pastor Michael said or Dwayne said. It's what the Bible said. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love. So love is the foundation. Faith is the action. From faith to faith is a journey. And if I'm not in faith, I'm not pleasing God. Sometimes we do what we do so often it no, no longer requires faith. When I was a teenager, this required faith. It took me a while to even get to this. I started out like a good Methodist. If you're a Methodist in the house, I love you. Come on, right? Come on. But, but I'm telling you, all we got to do is activate what's already in us. We got to redig the wells. It's, it's not, oh, we're waiting for something. No, no, no. No, no, we're not really waiting on anything. If we are hungry and we are thirsty... The Bible says that a full soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, even the bitter things are sweet. See, what God wants to do is activate us into what he's asking us to do, not just on Sunday. But on Monday, can God work on a Monday? Can God work on a Tuesday? Can God work outside of this building? Does God? Yeah. Does God want to use you and me? Because, see, we're coming in. I believe it already always has been. But we're coming in to an unveiling that this movement's all about the saints. Not about the pastors and the preachers. The miracles are in the pews. One of my spiritual sons. Thanks, guys. One of my spiritual sons, he's in, he's in Lebanon, Missouri. And he was raised Nazarene. Went to Nazarene Seminary. He's far more educated than I am. And he's a wonderful young man. But I never did buy in to boxes and tribalism and that denominations are separate. I've just always bought into the kingdom message because that's the only message Jesus preached. 
And so when I met him, I didn't let the fact that he was raised Nazarene separate us because God connected us. He was with me in Dallas just two days ago. When we gathered, he said, I'm really thinking about getting a hat or a shirt printed that says miracles are normal. And then he started telling me about all the miracles that have happened in his house in the last month. He said, every time we pray for somebody, they're healed. And again, and again, and again. And he says, Dwayne, it's just amazing. Why? Come on. Because I sat down with him one day and I said, let's talk about, let's not about what you believe. Let's talk about what God's doing in you. You're an apostolic leader and there's a prophetic gift on you. Now he prophesies over people. But he doesn't tell them. He just shares the word of the Lord. Come on, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying today? So it's from faith to faith. How many know in this room right now, every one of you, I'm going to tell you what's happening in the spirit. He's here. He's stirring some gifts up that have been laying dormant. I feel it. I feel it. Now, I, I'm going to share this. It's okay. Pastor Michael and I were having dinner last night. We had lots of fun. We laughed. We cried. There was just all kinds of stuff. And I told him about a friend of mine. It's a very, very dear friend. He's a strong prophetic guy. You're going to meet him sometime. He restored my faith in the prophetic in 2001. Up to that point, I characterized the prophetic as fruits, flakes, and nuts. Because that's all I ever experienced. This is fru- fruity. I don't need that. Fr- as a pastor, I don't need these weirdos. Is it okay to be that real? I don't need that. I don't need you to come up here and act all fruity, flaky, and nutty. And so I just decided I don't need the prophetic in the house. And he ended up in my house to help us structure some things as an executive pastor. And his pastor said, while he's there, let him preach. I had no idea I was setting up a prophetic conference. I would have never done it. But he hit our house and he began to prophesy like I had never saw before in my life. And our church was never the same. Let me tell you something. You've got to get ready to start embracing the authentic prophetic because God wants to bring back the fullness of everything he did in the New Testament today in the house. Anybody ever had a prophecy over him before? Is, is there somebody in the house? Maybe it's had, I, I'm still walking out prophecies that were given. To, I'm walking out the prophecy he gave me in 2001, and he didn't know me, so he didn't say it publicly. He put it, now I'm going to mess with the young generation here. He put it on a three and a half floppy. Who knows what a three and a half floppy is? So I know I have a friend in the house. Okay. How many young gens say, oh, I don't know what that is. Can I look it up? Is it in the Smithsonian? You know, right? Right. Um, but he gave it to me on a three and a half floppy. And I'm still walking. Some of the things on that prophetic word from 2001 are starting to come true today. Now, it's our job. So it's, it's our job that Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, war a good warfare based on the prophecy that was spoken over you. Right. When the hands, when the elders laid hands on you. So there's a job to walk it out. But God's getting ready to do something prophetically. And part of this well is a prophetic well. It's a well of restoration. Now I want to read something. Because I told him about my friend Charlie Sweet last night. And I said, I believe there's a time you're going to want him here. Now he has to determine that. I get to my room. Get, get, get rested. Get up this morning to a long text from Pastor Charlie Sweet. And with your pastor's permission, I'm going to share it with you. He says to me this morning, not sure where you're at this morning, 
But God gave me this word for that church. A new season is in them. It didn't say on them. It said in them. Trust. Now, here's what he's saying. The CWC. Trust in my word when it has said he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Why? Why? Because God wants our lives to make people thirsty for him. It, it is the lost opportunity that God is going to restore to this house and, and God's people. The things we have failed in the yesterdays to buy up, the things we failed to accomplish as a church body and as a mighty army of God, if God be for us, who can be against us? This is a church that can beat all odds. When God is for you, who, who cares what the odds are? You are bought with the blood of the Lamb, but I have redeemed you. You are mine. Your name is inscribed in the palm of my hands. Take those promises against all odds. There is something better coming. The prophet Joel promised joy in the end time harvest. This church will see work like it has never seen before. Every hand is going to be needed. Everyone must find their place, move to their next level, and go to work. Samuel 10, verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. It's interesting that same verse came to me when we were having dinner for you last night. There is a shift, Pastor Michael Bedard, that's going to happen in you, and you're going to tap a well that up until this point in ministry you haven't tapped. And God's, I, I hear the Lord saying, when that happens, step away from everything comfortable and ro- walk into that well. And you just just like Riley, you are going to set men and women free. There's, there's something new, a cutting-edge newness that is settling on your heart. And he goes on and he says this. Um, what does God have for your future? To be a breakthrough church. Now, come on, think about that alone, right? A breakthrough church. A church that will open new doors and new region. A church that will crack open poverty where people of influence refuse to recognize that that poverty even exists. A people who remove the word impossible from their vocabulary. A, a people who see past the seed, they see a tree. A mighty cedar tree planted by rich waters uh, of the mighty river of God. A people who will move, now get this, in signs, wonders, and miracles. And he goes on to say, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Daniel chapter 4. So get ready, put your hands to the plow, you are headed into your season of favor and provision. You are a people who know where their strength comes from. Psalms 29, the Lord gives strength to his people. Today is the time to possess the land of your promise. Today you cannot be those who stall, who are stalled at the river of decision. That's, a, that's an important statement right there. Today you need to cross over that river and walk into your destiny. It is time to overcome the, the I can't do it mentality. And it is time to possess faith for success. You will never use the word same again because things will never be the same again. It is not too late. The tree is not dead. I allow him to come, breathe new life and water to those dry areas, and they will flourish again and again and again, says the word of the Lord. 
Come on. Is that powerful? Or Yeah, it's okay. You can clap. I'll receive that in the name of Jesus. And I thought, how ironic that Pastor Charlie, my friend, didn't even know I was going to be here. He doesn't know where I'm at. But And we talked about it last night, and then he says, here's a word to CWC. How many say, I, I really received that word? How many, you, do you feel that? Do you feel that in your heart? So the easy part's delivering it. Now we start walking it out. And there's often an opposition that comes right after the word, right? You, you have the word, then you have the warfare, come on, and then you have the victory. But when the word comes, then there's got to be a warfare, right? And the warfare is in, in, in faith, right? And most of that warfare is done through surrender, not by warring, right? When I give up my will, like Jesus did in the garden, and I say, Father, not my will, but your, come on, right? Your will be done. Something starts happening. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come, are, you, are you there, right? But, but too many, oh man. So, so often in the church, we've got into such a caste system, we know what to do, and we just do it, right? And these people do this, and these people do it. No, no, no. It's not going to be like that. God's going to mess up that whole blue and he's going to start calling people out. He's going to start moving people into place and positions. He's going to pull you out of your comfort zone and he's going to ask you to do things that up until this point he hasn't asked you to do. And you're going to be at a moment, that's that decision moment, am I going to do what God asked me to do? Come on, right? How how many know he didn't save you to keep you comfortable? How how many know you can't be comfortable and fulfill the the, the will of God for your life? You cannot be comfortable and fulfill the word of God for your life. Come on. He says, you know, he, he calls us in he, ecclesia. He calls us out of our life without Christ into a life together as the family for a divine purpose. And when we come into the family, we become stewards of this life and everything we have. Not owners, but stewards. My life is not my own. It is bought with a price, right? My money is not my own. My house. Are you with me? And and each time, because we have a will, he gives us an opportunity when he says, I want you to do this. How many know we know his voice? And when he speaks to us, we have an opportunity to say yes or no. Now, if there's already a yes in my spirit to God, it doesn't matter what he asks. If there's not a yes, I have to decide. How many men know that there should be a yes in your heart toward your wife before she asks? And all the women said... There we go. Amen. Right. Come on. Now, some of the guys say, man, you could have shut up before you got there. You just didn't need to go there, Pastor. Right. Listen, if you're married, often the Holy Spirit's voice is female. Come on. And I learned that a long time ago. But here's the thing. I've learned. To have a yes in my heart. Before he ever asks. What do you want me to do? You see, flying down here, I laid out a message. I thought, wow, God, that's going to be great. Okay, that's going to be fun. And then last night, this morning, he said, that wasn't for here. This is what I want you to do. How many know I had a choice in the moment? I'm sitting there, and I'm just weeping when I look at this young man. And God said, tell him this. How many know I could miss it? Come on. How many know there was a decision moment? Will I move from faith to faith? We often don't get, we we, we have such a tendency to settle short of all that God has for us. We we tend to settle in Gilead, the land that has cattle, right? Two and a half tribes settle in Gilead instead of crossing the promised land into what God said was the promised land. They had to cross the promised land, which was the Jordan, which means to bend the knee or submit the will. They stopped with what looked good instead of going to everything God called good. Is everybody with me? Right. Some of you have settled. I'm 
Some of you have settled into going to church instead of letting God activate the gifts that cost the blood of Christ that we're celebrating. Come on, right? We're celebrating this next Sunday everything he paid for by his blood. And we've settled for going to church when God said, I paid my son's life for the gift that I've given you. And I want you to dust it off. I want you to pick it up. I want you to lay aside the fear. I want you to say, lay aside yesterday's failures and get back up and do what God has called you to do. Come on, right? But I don't feel qualified. Join the entire universe. None of us feel qualified. But I can't. Yes, you can. I, no, no. He said, I'm going to take I can't out of it. We're going to take impossible out of it. You can do what God has said you can do. The difference is, here's the thing. Hesitation brings fear. The, God speaks. Then I speak, what if, what if Tanner doesn't, I mean, what if Riley doesn't receive this? What if this is not for, are you with me? The mind starts rolling. What if it's not a witness to the pastors? And then the devil speaks, you better not do that. You're going to be the laughing stock. They're going to shut the service down already. Come on, are you with me? Right? But what if it is God? So the more I hesitate to do what God has asked me to do, the more fear has room to encroach upon my heart and keep me from doing what God has asked me to do. Does that relate? Put your hand up if that relates with you. Right, right? Come on, right? That's a, a relate. Right, right? Okay. We don't live in fear. We live in faith. It doesn't matter. What if it costs me my life? I already gave my life. It doesn't matter. I already gave my life. My life belongs to Jesus. If I have two more minutes, two more months, two more years, 20 more, it doesn't matter. My life belongs to Jesus. So I say yes, no matter the cost, because he didn't reserve part of him. He gave it all. And for me to give less is an insult to my Savior. Come on, right? And so I learned to move in faith. And listen, here's the thing. Here's the, if, 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 if I don't move when he says, after a while, he quits saying so if heaven's been silent, God likes yes people. Get saved, start coming to church. Hey, you need to get baptized. We had this amazing baptism. I don't know if you guys know, but it's colder in Washington than it is here. And I had my niece come up to me, got just wrecked at a conference. That's why summer camp's so important. Eighty percent of those called into ministry in America got called to ministry in a conference or summer camp. Get those kids to camp, right? And she went to this meeting. She came back all lit up. I want to get baptized. And I'm thinking all excited because we got this new baptistry. She said, but not in that tank. I want to go to the river. It's not 40 degrees in that water yet. And I wanted to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Anybody else is like, sis, I'm not, I'm not down for that. But with, you know, with, with, with everything that I laid down in my head, I said, okay. Cadence, let's go do it. Oh, by the way, my friend wants to get baptized too. And then our worship leader, this little son, Ben, he said, Ben wants to get baptized. And I think, oh my God, he's going to get baptized. Oh, and we waded out into that river less than 40 degrees. And one by one, we were baptizing them. Even little Ben, we had like a half a dozen baptisms that day. And they said, how was it? 
horrible until my legs went numb. Then it was fine. It's truth. It's truth. But how many know that? How many know that that obedience is important? Because sometimes one obedience will set a fire to a whole lot of other obediences. It was one young lady who says, "I don't want to get baptized, and I want to go to the river." And then it was two. Then it was three. Then it's four. In fact, the one that was the biggest sissy about it is a senior in high school, and he's six foot four. And I said, come on, Chayton, you just, you little wimp, get out here. And I almost had to drag him into the river, right, to, to baptize him. But 60, 80 people showed up on the bank to come and watch a baptism. And I'm going, but it started with one. See, sometimes, did you notice what happened today? We started singing a song. You, see, you feel the presence of the Lord. And I don't remember, somebody responded. And all of a sudden, I saw somebody came to an altar. How many know it didn't just didn't stop with one and then another one came and then another one came and then come on. You never know what you're going to start with one one move toward what God wants you to do. There's some of you in here that wanted to come, but didn't come. Now, don't take that as condemnation, because that just drives you away from what God wants to do. You draw near you. The Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Quit letting the devil beat you up over your failures. There is therefore no condemnation. You're not even just until you fall seven times. That not, might not be an accurate interpretation, right? <laughs> Come on, right? So, but, but you learn to get back up, right? The only time you fail is when you fail to get back up. But here's what happens. God says to do it. God says to do it. I move in response. Then all of a sudden, right? He says something else. Okay, from baptism, he says something else, and I move in response. It's the upward call of God. Is everybody with me? Now, what happens when people don't do that, they get religious and cranky and they're hard to pastor. Is that okay? The cranky people are in Washington, not in Texas. Okay, let me just preface that. But that's what happens because we get discontent on the inside because we know there's more. Are you hearing me today? There's more. In Mark 16, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. And you know, do you know the one we camp on? They shall speak with new tongues. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yes. They'll heal the, they'll heal the sick. They, it didn't say pastors, it said they, you. Say this with me. I will heal the sick. I will cast out devils. I will raise the dead. That's the faith that was delivered to the saints. It's not, well, let's have faith for who's going to be elected next. I couldn't give a rip who's the next president. Because that's not what's going to bring revival. We get the leadership we deserve. If you're biblical. Am I happy with him? No. If I was in Washington, I'd add a few words. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, the, but the reality is this. The re- no, I'm not. But listen, hardship and, and everything we're seeing brings the church alive like nothing else. we got to quit looking at it and saying, that's the problem. Let's do something different there. No, let's do something different in here. And let's let God ignite what's in us. Let's let God activate the gifts that are in us. Let's let God say, God, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. 
And when that happens, all of a sudden my life is His. And that, yes, 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 yes. And, and I'm not talking to you out of a life I don't live. I saw it years ago and I, I said, Gary, I watched pastors and they were a shell. They got older and they were a shell of what they once were. And their preaching was empty. And they were like dead men walking, man. And I looked at that and I saw it over and over again. And I said, God, take me home early if, if that's my future. I don't want that. I want to leave with all the power and all the faith and hand off a baton to a generation that says, I want to aspire to be like that instead of afraid they're going to catch that. And the only way that happens is when we pour our life out on the altar and we say, God, do we get over. Listen to me. You get over the hard times. You get over the offenses. You get over the woundedness. You get over the stuff because you're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You, you have everything in you to overcome anything the devil throws at you. The only time that doesn't happen is when you empower what the devil's throwing at you and you don't empower the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because He's on the inside of you working His way out of you through obedience. My life's been like a roller coaster. Anybody else? My wife said, I hate roller coasters. And then I got married to you. It's like, I know, baby, I know, I'm sorry. And for anybody that knows Janice, he says hello. She's sorry she couldn't be here. But I couldn't have chosen a better life. I love every minute of it. We found out in May. I'm not even sure I even told you this. But we found out in May that the church we grew up in, the church we pastored for nearly 20 years and handed off 15 years ago, had a sudden loss of pastor. Pastor resigned midweek suddenly. And when I found out about it, my heart said, we've got to do something. And so my wife and I went and began to serve back in that church again. We said, well, let's, let's help get them healthy again. Let's give them 30 days. Because it's an hour plus commute. 30 days turned into 60 days. 60 days turned into 90 days. And the elders are saying, okay, we need to get a pastor. We need to do something. And God's on the inside of my heart saying, tell him you'll be their pastor again. That was not my plan. And it came out of nowhere. God, can you warn me about stuff like this? Right? Can you prepare me in advance? We're, we're pastoring new life. I say I'm new life 2.0. You know, somewhere the second time, Right? Right? And here's, here's the thing. It's not me. If, if I'm making myself look great to you, I'm doing it wrong. I want to talk to you about Jesus and his work through the Spirit in every one of us. There is a grace that has fallen on that house. Numerically, it has grown four times since June. It's four times the size it was in June. There are miracles. There are manifestations. There are new people every Sunday. There is a connection with the assembly of God that once a month we pray together. And the we had a prayer meeting recently that lasted almost four hours. And the glory of God came down. I have never in all my life, I've only longed, Pastor Gary, I've only longed to see this. But I was mentoring that assembly of God pastor before I came to town. And all of a sudden I'm watching God. And that was in my future. 
But he didn't give me a warning. He just said, will you take the step of faith? Well, I, I took the first step of faith doing this in church. Come on. Then I started learning to tip God. Then I moved from tipping to tithing. How many know that's a step of faith? Some of you in the room need to hear that. You've been hearing that in your spirit for a long time, but you haven't obeyed. Right? I got baptized. And then my pastor said, I see something in you. I want you to preach midweek. 16 years old, my first sermon. My living God, I almost died of cardiac arrest, right? Are you with me? Are you hearing my story? And how many know it was from faith to faith, and it was an upward journey? I don't want to be in front of people. I, don't, I didn't like being in front of people. It was very backward and awkward. Got elected class president. That was part of the journey. Come on, I can go on and on. Became the youth pastor at 19. Ended up being a district youth director. Every time you, how many know every time you got to say yes? Now, any of those accolades, that doesn't mean anything. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, hey, look, what, look at Dwayne. What I'm telling you is, this is a journey for you. What faith step has God been speaking to you that you need to step out and do and break off the fear and the shackles that are holding you back? Come on. There are people in this room, you've had gifts of healing in your life for years, and you know it. You remember when it happened, but you haven't been functioning in them. There are fivefold ministry gifts in this room. God wants to call you out, call you up, and release you into the kingdom. But it always, because we were given a will. Someone said if we weren't given a will, we wouldn't have been, God wouldn't have had to give us a savior. But he gave us a will. We have a free will and I can say no. But how many know I can also say yes? Yeah, God, here it is. Here, pick me, God. I'll do it. And in the process of that, you live a life bigger and better than you ever get. Listen, don't, don't live life safe and try to arrive at the other side safely. That's not the life he's called you to. It's a dangerous life. It's a life where you say, okay, God, I see what you're saying, and this is the next step of faith. From faith to faith, the righteousness of God is revealed. There's so many notes, and I'm not going to touch them, because I feel like today's activation. Can we get a little bit of music? Is, is this, am I past time? Am I, am I good? You guys were hoping we were getting pizza? Would you stand with me all over the building? Son, what's your name? Samuel. Samuel, there's a ministry call up on your life. Is your, are your parents in the house? Okay. There's a ministry call up on your life. Yes? Thank you, Tanner. Yes? You've come out of, you, you're coming out of a lot of stuff. And you're breaking off generational stuff. And God's raising you up and there's a call of God upon your life. You have a passion for the Lord and I see it. I felt it when I sat next to you during worship. Don't be afraid. That's the biggest thing I hear God telling me to tell you. Because the places he's going to take you and the things he's going to do through you, you aren't even able, you're not even ready to receive them right now. But if you'll just step and you'll just do what he's asking you to do. There is a passion and a presence of God that's going to flood your heart and you're going to see it and you're going to be humbled when it happens because it's the work of the Lord. You're part of a young generation God is raising up. Samuel, right? That's you, Samuel. That's you. That's the work of God. Amen? 
Maybe you're here and you're saying, I know there's some gifts in me. I know what they are. And I've let fear or events fill in the blank. I was hurt in church, right? I could go into any city in America and just gather the people hurt in church and I'd have the largest crowd. So we all get hurt in church. But if you're here and you say, I know there's gifts that I need to be operating that I haven't been, I, I want we, without even hesitation, I just want you to make your way to an altar. That's your faith step. From faith to faith, that's your faith step. So I'm going to wait for you for a minute. Say, got to be somebody moving first. Just come to an altar. Just come, if, if that's you and you know there's activation, God wants to activate some gifts in you, just make your way to an altar. Samuel says, I better step to an altar now. He just prophesied over me. So come on.